Welcome to episode 67 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, and I am joined today with Philip Fariska's back. Whoop hey, everybody. It's a, it's a two-peat. Not What's Pete that? DeMeo. I'm sorry. No, like a three-peat, but a two-peat. Like you've been back twice in a row. Repeat? No, you, you've heard people when they win three times in a row, it's called a three-peat. Yeah. Right? So I'm making that. it a two-peat. Okay. But it has nothing to do with Pete. Who can incidentally I, can, can is also here. Pete, hey, what's up, buddy? I, I guess I'm here. How's everybody doing today? It's episode 67, Pete. Are you excited? I know. It's another number. I knew we were going to have another number this time. <laughs> yeah. Every every episode. I mean, if we're not consistent about anything else, we are consistent about each episode is a number. Phenomenal. A different number. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And not randomly assigned. Although, one time I did record over an episode with a new episode. So, on my hard drive, I think it's episode 34... And 33 are actually the same file. Yeah. So is this really episode 68? I think you confused my brain. Hey, Melissa's here hey, as well, everybody. Hey, what's up? And Melissa's here because it's her episode today. She's our analytics guru, and she fixes lots of people's broken analytics. So if you have analytics that are just a little bit wonky, then or Melissa... Or cattywampus. Or cattywampus then Melissa is your go-to gal because she has fixed no less than about 980, call back to last week, different analytics suites in the last few weeks. So we've had a really big onslaught of folks that have needed our help recently with analytics. It is why the the other topic that I've been trying to put together has been postponed is because this was just necessary because of the influx of craziness that we have experienced. Yeah, but it's all it's all been good fun. We love problem solving here at Fuel Travel. That's what really gets us motivated and, and why we're in the business. We love to solve problems. But it makes my job very gratifying when you finally get to the bottom of something. And yeah, that fixed. eureka moment. Yes, for sure. And, um, you know, we've had a lot recently of folks that have come to us, but just because then they're, they're not able to quite understand the analytics or that the analytics they're getting doesn't quite make sense so today's episode it's not what we've been teasing for like 700 weeks melissa Uh, we'll get there we'll get there but what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about six of the most common analytics mistakes that we see that hotels are making and don't feel bad if you're making one of these because honestly the vast vast majority of folks whether it's a new client we take on or we're just consulting with someone to help them fix a problem the vast majority of people do not have their analytics set up correctly. And it's okay. It's really, really, really complicated. And it's taken us a long time. You know, we've been doing this hotel marketing gig for over 20 years. And really, you know, only probably 10 of those really analytics has been a big part of it. Because before that, we were using web trends and log analyzers and stuff like that. But, you know, Google Analytics and and now Tag Manager and then things like Adobe (laughs) Analytics... We've been spending a lot of time with those over the last 10 years, and we've gotten really, really, really good at it. And uh, we're able to help a lot of people, which we really like to do. So today we're going to focus on the mistakes that a lot of folks make. We're going to talk about you know, what they are, how they're caused, and how to fix them. And then we're going to have some resources that help you along the way as well. But before we get into all that, ladies and gentlemen, what's going on in the news, Pete? Well, we have one thing here. It comes to us from Inc. Magazine. From the, the web version, not the, the old-fashioned printed version of the magazine. But it is Delta just announced it's doing away with the painful part of flying, which is... The legroom? 
the leg room, the traveling, all the other. The jet lag, yeah. the dirty air. They're doing yeah, away they're with all that? all the way of that. They're okay. going to buses. So. <laughs> Greyhound, leave the yeah, driving so, to us. But uh, no, what they're doing is actually going to have anybody who has the app, the most recent version of the, the app, is going to be automatically checked into their flights 24 hours prior to takeoff. So, you know, that's kind of interesting because it does take away the part of having to stand in line, do the check-in process, or time it just right when you're getting to the airport. It does raise a lot of questions, though, is if you're automatically getting checked in, what happens when you want to upgrade your seat or you decide not to check bags or you decide to check bags? You know, they're still working on a lot of the, the specifics, but, you know, details be damned. They're going to roll with it anyway and go ahead and launch this and see kind of how it progresses. I have a beef with the whole check-in process because I don't understand the purpose of checking in 24 hours before your flight. Isn't the purpose of checking in to let the airline know, hey, I'm at the airport, I'm going to be taking that seat. Well, what happens if you don't make it to the airport after you've checked in? That's kind of silly. Then on top of that, let's say you do check in, but you have bags checked. You still have to wait in a line to put your bags on the weight thing and make sure you're not over the weight allotment and wait through that process. I don't get it. There's so many hurdles. It's going to be interesting to see how they overcome them because it is a, a good bellwether for you know other airlines if they can figure it out. But checking someone in 24 hours in advance, like you said, they haven't checked in. If they're going to skip the flight, you don't even know that. Just because you checked them in doesn't mean they're actually going to be there. Yeah, I'm with you, Melissa. I don't get the whole checking process. Like, confirming that you're going to fly kind of, to me, happens when you book the flight. Yes. Right. That's when I'm telling yes. you I'm going to be on I, that flight. I intend to be there. Right. Unless unless something out of my control happens. Like I get in a car wreck on the way to the airport. In which case, t- checking me in automatically 24 hours before has no no influence on the outcome, right? I'm still they're still gonna be calling at the gate, uh butler, butler last, last call. call, right? So But if you actually checked in, they'd say, wait a minute, Stuart never showed up. He's not at the airport. But I yeah, check in on the on. app anyway already, right? right? So this I mean But at least you've physically done that. So this has saved me five seconds, you know, because I open the app and I click check in and I hit confirm no I don't have a bomb. Done. It saves me five seconds. I guess they're trying to make the process more frictionless this is a step that shouldn't happen anyway if i have to check a bag i should go to the front and and check a bag if i'm going on an international flight maybe i should show that i have the appropriate visas whatever but for domestic flights in the u.s the whole check-in process is nonsense in the first place it's silly yeah and just like you know the security the tsa thing they've gone done like pre-check and stuff like that to, to streamline it i think this is just a continuation of those kind of things but why not just have some kind of option for people to say if you book automatically just be checked in you know all the time don't i don't know why you have to have the app i don't know why it's only delta it just it's silly silly but i will say this transitioning this to the hotel side so if you are a hotel with an app that lets you check in ahead of time take this with a little thought processor if you're letting people check in ahead of their stay and they still have to do the same thing where they get to the hotel and they still have all this stuff to do. Just keep that in mind. If you're going to let people check in ahead of time, let them check in ahead of time. Right. Excellent point. So, you know, the reason a mobile check-in is valuable to a guest is it saves them time at when they get to the property, right? The worst, worst part of a vacation is when you've been driving for five, ten hours and your kids have been driving you crazy and your 
arguing with your spouse and you get there and then you have to wait in line for 30 minutes to, to get your keys, right? That That's just a terrible first impression. It's going to set the tone for the whole stay. So if you have a mobile app and you can take down all the information you need, you know, the, the license plates, the, the people that are going to be in the room if your state requires that, whatever the information is you need from that person, and maybe even get a credit card on file, and you run their keys or you have mobile key technology so they don't even need keys, it, it makes such a much more improved experience for that guest. And a lot of our clients, because we have Guest Express, the mobile app, a lot of our clients that don't have the mobile key component, they'll set up like an express check-in line where they've already run the keys. So when you come up and you say, I'm whoever I am, then they check to make sure you're checked in. They might may swipe your card if they need to. They might get a signature if they need to, but you're not filling out a lot of paperwork and you're on your way. They hand you the keys that were already created and you're gone. That's efficient. That's frictionless. That is a positive experience. So absolutely, you should be doing that. Because you've actually avoided the line you would have had to stand in versus... Correct. You've got the express line. You feel special. You don't have to wait with the riffraff. It's win-win. <laughs> and then the riffraff, hopefully next time, will you know, sort out their act and they'll be checking in on the mobile app next time. Yeah. So yeah. All right, what's next in the news? Next is an article from VentureBeat.com, although you could find this across the interwebs in all kinds of places because it's hot news, because Hopper is expanding its airfare prediction app to hotels. This is big news for anybody who has not used Hopper, know what Hopper is. It's an app that you download to your phone and you can plug in a flight that you're interested in taking and it will tell you when to book it when is the lowest rate so it'll say hey this price is going to drop again just keep waiting on it and uh so now they're rolling it out to hotels and new york is the first uh market that it's getting rolled out to so this has some pretty big implications for how hotels are going to have to manage their rates if you know this app is kind of telling people what to do to get the best price it's from a revenue manager's perspective and trying to yield, it's kind of scary. I think because it's a nightmare. <laughs> how do you effectively manage rate when there's a system saying, don't book now, the revenue manager is going to drop the rate in 24 hours. So it makes it, makes it really tricky if it becomes very broad. I would say one thing, though, is you know, unlike airfare, I think the accommodation space is a lot more human-centric in terms of setting rate and managing rate. So hopefully it won't be you know quite as you know crazy as the the airlines. There's face. certainly a lot more volatility for sure. Uh, you know I I kind of see some people. There's two two types of people that in the rate management side, right? And half of them are going to be like, oh yeah, this is awesome. I can manipulate this to my advantage. The other are going to be like, holy cow, I'm in big trouble. This is going to screw me. So. The first type of people, those are the people that have learned a long time ago that you don't dump rate at the last minute. You yield up. As your inventory decreases, it is supply and demand, basic economics. As inventory shrinks, then you increase the rate. And you always do that. There's no exception to that, right? Most hotels know when their soft spots are going to be at the beginning of the year. They don't have to wait to know that the third week in September or whatever. Well, that's bad. That's um, Labor Day. 
the third week in March is going to be soft, right? They don't need to wait until the second week in March to realize that because they can look back at their data every year. It's always been the same and create packages and specials in promotions that are going to drive people, incentivize them to go stay during those traditionally soft spots. So your marketing calendar should already contain your your social postings, your emails, whatever you're going to be doing to promote that stuff throughout the year. So you should be avoiding situations where you get to a Monday and look at this coming weekend and say, holy cow, I'm only 50% occupied. What am I going to do? And that's when people resort to dumping rate on OTAs or go into a Groupon or some nonsense like that, which is really, really counterproductive and totally cannibalizes your rate. So the folks that have figured that out and are yielding up, they're going to be like, great, because this tool is going to tell people that unless they book three months out, they're not getting the best rate. And that's going to be great for the industry because we've seen increasingly consumers are waiting to the last minute to book. But if there's a reason for them to book earlier, that is excellent. That gets me more revenue bookings on the on the books and I can yield even greater. Now, the other camp of people are the ones that don't follow any of those rules, fly by the seat of their pants, wait till the last minute, use tools like Groupon and Hotel Tonight. They are screwed with this because this data is going to tell everyone that looks at it, you can wait till the last minute and you can get a deal. And I'll give you a little anecdote. So two weeks ago, we were going to Charleston for a soccer soccer tournament and... Um, I was looking at hotels a couple of weeks before and I saw, because a lot of the OTAs now show how much inventory is booked. And I saw that only 40% of the inventory was booked in the market. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to wait it out and see what happens. And the day of the tournament, we drove to Charleston without a hotel room. Wow, that's we, gutsy. We got, because even by then, only 60% of inventory was booked in the market, right? So we got to Charleston. And I looked around at some hotels. I looked on Hotel Tonight, and I found a really good rate. It was a Spring Hill Suites. And uh, we actually ended up driving there because I couldn't get anyone on the phone. Shame on you, Marriott. It tried to send me to a central you know, hub call center. So we ended up, we were going by it on the way between games. So we went to the front desk, and I went in and said, hey, I found this rate online. Can you match it? And they said, no. <gasps> what? I'm like, oh. I'm like Okay, well, give me one second. So I took a step back from the front desk, booked it on Hotel Tonight, saved $50 on the rate, and then walked back two minutes later to the front desk and said, I'm checking in now. I'm checking in. I have a reservation on Hotel Tonight. (laughs) Wow. How stupid is that? It's outrageous. Yeah. They lost something, you know? It's silly. If if they matched the rate, they would have made more money because they wouldn't have had to pay Hotel Tonight. And that's a Marriott, dude. The big boys don't have this stuff figured out. Wow. I don't know what to say to that. That's insane. That's crazy. Say congratulations. You just say $50. <laughs> that's what you should say. Do you think there's going to be revenue managers watching this Hopper app and trying to uh, game it? Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it's a new tool that you're going to have to pay attention to, right? Because if you now know your competition, what their yielding methodology is, you can use that to your advantage. Again, the smart rate managers are really excited about this. The stupid rate managers probably aren't paying attention to the news in the first place to know any better, but they are screwed. They are totally screwed. And these kind of technologies, you know, once they've collected enough data, are great. They're really good. I've been using it for flights for a long, long time, looking for flights back home to England. 
And um, they work really, really well, you know, and they, they give reassurance, which we talk about a lot in the show about how important reassurance is in the booking process. But if you if you rate rate manage properly, you yield properly, you're going to end up extending that booking window tremendously if you do it the right way. We've had this we've talked about similar things for the past several weeks and the lazy hotelier is about to get hit by a tidal wave. Between things like Hopper, all the different tools that are out there. A tsunami, if you will. A tsunami or a tidal wave. We don't know which one yet. Yeah. But they're gonna get hit by something. Is that the big. same thing? It depends on what coast it's on. I think no, a tsunami think, is No, I think you're thinking about high typhoons and hurricanes. Okay. There's a difference. They're gonna hit by an event. <laughs> it involves water. water. Anyway, back to the point. The they're gonna get wet. They're gonna be yeah. 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 Okay. It's gonna rain. <laughs> Regardless of what weather event happens, the point is, if you're a lazy hotelier, you're going to have a lot of kind of issues to work through. The smart hotelier is going to be using things like Hopper. Is going to be effectively managing the rate. Is going to be using all the new technology that's out there. And be in a much better position. The lazy ones are going to get run over. Well, the good thing is, the good news is, if you're listening to this show, you're probably not a lazy hotelier. You're actively invested Mm -hmm. in education and or entertainment, because sometimes we try to entertain. Um, But you're you're ahead of the curve, right? Because not everyone listens to shows like this or reads the blogs that we put out and the, the studies and stuff like that. So good for you for listening. Hopefully, you'll continue to do that. And speaking of which... Gentlemen and ladies, we had a record month this month. We have more downloads this month than we've ever had in the history of this podcast. So we are growing and growing, and we really, really appreciate that. And I want to give a special shout out to someone who is fueling, get it, fueling this particular episode. So one of our, our newest clients, the Shawnee Inn and Golf Resort in the Poconos in Pennsylvania, we just launched a new site for them. They are a phenomenal partner. We're excited about doing a lot of cool things with them over the upcoming months and years. And they sent us a wonderful gift package this week, which included some of their very own Shawnee Craft Pilsner, which they brew on property. It, I mean, this property is amazing. It's some of the so things cool. they do, really cool. like they 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 have their own farm. They're growing their own produce that they they use in this in the resort they have bees up there too you know oh the apiarists yes wow <laughs> have you shared apiary notes with them i haven't mm-hmm. sat down and really talk bees yet you should talk some bees <laughs> so jeremy and crew we really really appreciate the gift thank you we know you're a listener of the show and you've submitted questions in the past and uh thank you you really did make our week with drinking the beverages the libations if you will right now and that is fueling this episode cheers. So, so cheers to the shawnee inn and golf resort in poconos and if you're ever in the neighborhood then you should definitely check them out because they are more than just your average bear they are a phenomenal property with a lot to offer go check out their website shawneeinn.com yes yep. okay so without further ado let's jump into the topic melissa you want to have yes. a, a little rant because i know i know analytics is your pet peeve you have many many pet peeves <laughs> i do have a lot of pet peeves you i wanna, have to say do you want to share any pet peeves with us right now oh. get anything off your chest well as we were getting ready to podcast today i went into our little kitchen upstairs here to fill my beverage and we have a microwave in the kitchen and somebody left the microwave with extra seconds on it 
And that drives me insane. Does that burn your buttons? It burns my buttons. It drives me up a wall. Every time I walk past a microwave that has seconds on it, I have to clear it. But hey, but now you live in a world where Delta automatically checks Which you Which makes it all better. But the good thing is, is now we all know that you can't stand exercise. And so you will on, purposefully uh, leave. So we need, to have, yeah, we need to have some kind of collusion going on here where everyone <laughs> that every kitchen day in sets the timer. The tiniest kitchen ever created is what we have up here. And there are so many pet peeves in that kitchen, I can't even tell you. Somebody leaves like the cabinet door just slightly open or a drawer. So I, I can't. I just can't. I don't understand how you partially close a cabinet door. How is that possible? The knife blade cover on backwards. I didn't <laughs> even see me. that. You caught that. Wow, you are a bunch wow. of South Pole L's right now, you little I, grumpuses. Grumpy. I just have weird things about kitchens. Yeah. I, you I'm know very what? particular. It's weird to me because I don't think I've ever left a microwave with seconds on it because I always put in the seconds that I need to cook the food. I always stop it at one second so I don't hear the beep, beep, beep. Well, oh, do you see? press the clear? Yeah, of course I do. I'm yeah, a, you're not a civilized <laughs> human. <laughs> Questionable. All right, so pet peeve number one being the microwave. What about analytics pet peeves? Do you have any? Uh, I have all the pet peeves about analytics. All right, so let's talk about some of the mistakes that we've seen a lot with a lot of clients over the last few years. Yeah. So, so what's number one? Well, first, the problem with bad analytics is most of the time our clients don't seem to know that they have bad data and that's that's just terrible because you think you're doing the right thing and you're making decisions based off of data that is inaccurate and that's that's a terrible rabbit hole to be down so let's start at the top yeah and and i've had folks like that where we you know be talking to them about the services we provide you know it's and we're talking about how it's performing for them right now. So someone else is managing their pay-per-click, for example, and we'll start asking them questions about, well, how's it performing? And they're like, well, I don't really know. We don't have the data to tell us, but we want to change anyway. It's like, well, you should change because you're not tracking results. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're doing a bad job in the actual performance. You just can't tell. Right. So at the top of this thing of analytics that burns my buttons is when you have no analytics whatsoever on your booking engine. And every time I think I've seen the worst of the worst, I am surprised that there's still worse. And I don't understand that there are booking engines out there that have never been asked to provide this data for their clients. Yeah, one of the most shocking things, I think for me over the last few years, is how many booking technologies are out there have never come across analytics, period. Ever. They, they, they don't integrate at all. There's no. no way to add code to the booking engine. They just, their function is to book and period. That's Well, it. so often, because we run across it a lot, when you say analytics to them, they say, oh, yes, we have analytics on here. I can show you how many books have taken place, you know, who those people are and whatnot. So basically they're recording the data, but they're not providing analytics. Yeah, they're not they're not matching that back up to the origin, right? right? The source of the business. And then I immediately, a, I feel bad for our client, but then I think of how many other properties are using this booking engine that also have no data, and then I just want to cry. Oh, it just makes me sad. Oh, see now I don't want to put extra seconds on the <laughs> microwave anymore. Can you go hit cancel in the yeah. microwave? <laughs> 
So clearly this is this is step one. If you do not have analytics on your booking engine, we, we need to fix that. Yeah, and if your booking engine that you currently use it, it doesn't allow you to put analytics on it, then you need a new booking engine. And go listen to episode 66 because we talked about that a little bit last week. A lot of the PMS companies that give out their own, you know, quote unquote free booking engine, those are the worst culprits because they're not looking at it from a marketing perspective at all. They don't really care about the origin of business. They're focused on the operations. So just, you know, if you are in a situation right now where you can't see the revenue, then let's have a conversation because we really want to help you out. Whether you use ad technology or someone else's, we'll help you get in the right direction at least. So, so next, number two. let's assume that that's working, but then you just don't have revenue recorded for some reason or another. You can see traffic to the booking engine, but you're not showing any revenue in your analytics account. That's a problem. Yeah, this is a real common one because, you know, it's it's fairly easy to put analytics tracking, like the basic views, sessions, you know, stuff like that on your website and in a lot of cases on your booking engine, especially if you're like embedding a header or a footer. The basic Google Analytics tracking code is going to measure all the basics. But when it comes to transactions, there's a little more work involved. It's definitely a little more work. And you know what? Google Analytics does not make that apparent when you set up your account. You think, oh, here's my tracking code. It's just going to magically record all the things I need to record because it doesn't tell you that, oh, if you're transacting business online and you want to record revenue, you have this whole other set of code you need to implement. So that is no fault of anybody's, but hopefully, again, your booking engine company knows this. Uh, so we need to make sure that the specific Google Analytics or Adobe Analytics or whatever analytics you're using, that that specific code to record revenue is on the confirmation page when a booking takes place. Yeah, and it's, it's not just bookings. Any conversion on the site, sure. right? Email signups, form submissions, whatever. Any kind of success event that you want to measure and, and equate a value to, you need to set those up within your Google Analytics account. And if you don't know how to do it, you can you can call us certainly or email us at info at Field Travel. But just go to Google. You can do this yourself. It is not rocket science to say, how do I set up conversion tracking or revenue tracking in Google Analytics? There are There's a plethora. That means a lot. Mm -hmm of blogs out there that walk you through step by step how to set up this tracking. But it usually requires you not only to set it up in Google Analytics itself, but also drop that conversion confirmation conversion code on the confirmation page, which sometimes will require you to pass in variables such as revenue, transaction IDs, yeah, confirmation number, whatever numbers, it is. Yeah. Right. So there's gonna be a little bit of work in figuring out what those are again if you have a good booking engine partner that should be in their documentation or at least they can help you guide you through that process but you've got to not just track the basics you've got to track the conversion so on the flip side of that and this happens more often than you would think is that there's extra revenue and or traffic getting recorded that doesn't belong in your analytics account and some of the culprits for this could be call centers. And strangely enough, we come across this pretty often where the call center is using the online, your regular website to book transactions instead of going into some back end. It's just somehow easier to go through the website and 
book people from over the phone. So it's inflating your revenue significantly. It's inflating your conversion rate and you basically now have garbage data. This is a really, really common one. And it shows where marketing and operations sometimes deviate from each other because the operations people don't know that that's a problem. The good thing is, is if your call center finds that the website is the easiest way to book a guest, well, great. That's great because you know you found a great way for if the call center likes it, you know your customers are going to like it as well. But the problem is, is it always goes back to the asterisk on the report, which we have. <laughs> I think if, if your pet it, isn't peeve, it asterisk asterisk well yeah. if Melissa's pet peeve is extra time on the microwave mm. her I guess happy time is when there's a report that does not have an asterisk on it yeah it's so yeah. rare yeah because <laughs> when you have extra revenue reporting you see that for the entire year because you're going back and looking at past data and it's hey how come we made so much more last year well your all your call center revenue, you know, was booked via the website, and there's really not a way to remove that. Once it's, Once it's in it's there, been... it's in there. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of scenarios where you can get um, cattywampus data in your analytics, right? And and in the case of the call center, it dramatically increases your conversion rate. But there's other stuff that can really decrease your conversion rate. And one common one we see a lot is your local Wi-Fi on property when someone connects to it it sends them by default to your website. Yes. So now you've got a, got a bunch of people that are sitting in your property that are loading up their web browser and loading your site, but they're not really coming to your site on purpose and then they go somewhere else. So that really increases your bounce rate. And of course they're not booking because they're already staying with you. So now your, your conversion rate is going to decrease. Yes. So you've got to make sure any... Um, uncontrolled source of traffic that is not intentional does not exist within your data. Right. So some things that you can do once you've identified these things is ideally you create an IP filter. So you get the IP address of your call center or the IP address from your hotel and you filter that traffic out before it hits your analytics data. Unfortunately, as we said, once the data is in there, it's a little more difficult. You can't actually remove it, but you can possibly create a segment in analytics to filter that traffic out. So at least going backwards, you might be able to see that without, um, without that traffic in there, but it's a little more difficult to do that. You can't, you cannot do it based on IP. You need something very specific to that group of traffic. Maybe it's a foreign um, location that you can filter out because your call center is in one specific city and you can just, you know that you're not getting normally traffic from that city. It could be a network domain. If it's from your Wi-Fi, it may all be coming through the a same network domain that you could filter out. But again, it's not ideal and it's a little more complicated to do that. And it's not foolproof either. Yeah, and one, one of the things I've seen, which is I think a, a, a more elegant solution in terms of complete solution, is either creating a separate page within your site or, or uh, a URL variable within your site that just doesn't have the analytics tracking on it. Right. So it's completely omitted. That to me kind of solves any problem related to location or IP or any of that stuff. And that page should probably have some helpful info about the area as well. Maybe not just your homepage recreated. 
Yeah, yeah, I would imagine, especially if it's if it's your wife. I mean, think about this. Why would you send people that are connecting to your Wi-Fi to your homepage? Right. That that the job of your homepage is to get someone to book. The person that's in your property looking to connect to your Wi-Fi is on property. Why not be helpful to them? Oh, can I tell you what just happened to me this weekend? Yeah. When I connected to my Wi-Fi on my trip to homecoming weekend this weekend at my college town, I logged in, and depending on what device I was in, if I was on my phone or my tablet, it connected me to the hotel website, and it had already done a search for me for the dates I was already there. And it said there were no available rooms. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Well, that was super helpful. Thanks. (laughs) Wow, I, like I'm trying to get that into my head, yeah. like to process that. That well, they doesn't make hard any to do sense. that. To, to default the <laughs> dates de- to your current dates. Yes, so, it was all. Had it was, to make sure that happened. I know that's the worst. Thought it was a good idea. They worked hard to get to to that point. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. It, the, the hotels that we work with who have built really good Wi-Fi landing pages, typically, yes, they are on the domain of the hotel, but they're at like Wi-Fi login, whatever it is. And they find that it's a very effective revenue generator by showing people, hey, would you like to make dinner reservations at our on-site restaurant? Would you like to reserve a beach chair? Whatever it might be. Yeah. They're very engaged at that point. Take advantage of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here's our happy hour, you know. Here's an extended stay. There's a lot of self-promotion and upsell and cross-sell you can do at that point. Yeah, upsell. But, I mean, like Stuart, Stuart mentioned a minute ago, provide useful information. That's really what someone's wanting when they access the internet through your Wi-Fi. Yeah, and and know that most people that are connecting to the internet probably aren't going there to see what you give them as your default homepage. They're probably going to go there to go to Google or Facebook or something else. Netflix. Yeah, so. Yeah. Just default to Netflix, Mm -hmm. you're fine. (laughs) (laughs) And what's next? What's next is when you don't have every page of your website tagged and this is not we don't come across this as often as the other issues that we're talking about today but this does happen and it happens when maybe you have a content management system that like you have a channel that doesn't share a header and footer that the rest of the site has so maybe you have control over specific new landing pages you want to create but they don't share headers and footers with the rest of the site and you don't realize because of that you're missing your google analytics tracking and you know when you find that out is after you've sent a big old email or you've launched some other campaign to this awesome new landing page you built and then you go to look at your google analytics and you're like wait wait where's the page it, oh Oh, it's not there. I don't yeah. know what happened. Oh, frowny face. It, yeah, it's not a common mistake, but we've definitely seen it. Occur. I am, yes. Especially with older CMSs, you know, and proprietary sure. CMSs, that's where you tend to get burned. A lot of the newer ones tend to have that baked in where it's automatically injecting the code. Yes. But, you know, I, I think we, we have tried to, and much to the chagrin of Melissa, we don't always, we hadn't always in the past been successful with this, but. You know, we talk a lot about mobile first, mobile first in here, but we really should be saying analytics first. And we really, analytics should never be an afterthought. So whenever you're setting up a new landing page or a new campaign, whatever it is, the first thing you should be thinking about is how am I going to track this? How am I going to measure success? What is, what is What does success look like for this particular landing page or campaign? And if you think, if you adopt that mentality, then you're not going to miss out on analytics because you're thinking about it at the very onset. And it's also very common because 
just because they, you send them to a landing page and that landing page isn't tracked, if that landing page has a form on it, a contest entry or anything along, along those lines, then you have real issues because sooner or later you're going to say, what is my conversion rate of people signing up for my winter giveaway? Oh, I realized I never gave that you know, to our analytics team and it's not tracked. So making sure you get that done is a very important part of that. Indeed. So there are some tools out there that you can use uh, to prevent this from going going forward. One is if you're in the process of creating a landing page, there are free tools, all kinds of debugger tools that you can use to just ensure that the tracking is working. Or if you want to go and put out a few dollars for an auditing tool that will literally scrape your whole site and look at every page to see what's tracked and what's not tracked. Uh, there are tools like Screaming Frog and ObservePoint and Wasp that will actually audit your entire site and look at every single page all together, which is really hard to do one page at a time with a debugger tool. So there's that. Shall we move on? Yes. The next one, we're at number five, by the way, for those keeping track, uh, would be five, either... Five, 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 five. <laughs> that would either be duplicate analytics code that's getting triggered or I'm going to call it inappropriately triggered analytics code. And that's not anything to do with it's nudity or anything like <laughs> Very that. Very inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. It's the Harvey Weinstein of code. <laughs> it's too soon? No, no it's fine. Just Right okay. on time. Okay. <laughs> so... Here's what would trigger you to question whether there's something triggering inappropriately on your website. If you're looking at your bounce rate and it's like 3%, I'm sorry, you are not that good at keeping people on your website. That is an artificially low bounce rate and there's probably something going awry there and that needs to be looked at. So sometimes it's either you literally have duplicate code on the site, and this can happen because somebody didn't know that you had Tag Manager, and they also hard-coded Google Analytics on there. But it could also be something like a pop-up that's triggering that code to get sent again, which you really don't want to do right off the bat because, again, it's not like somebody interacted with the pop-up. It was just served. So it's artificially lowering your bounce rate it's and it's just going to mess up your pathing reports it, it just becomes a mess so fix that yeah and i think the the time really to pay attention to this kind of stuff is when you go for a website redesign or or something changed like you update your booking engine or something like that when something major changes that could impact analytics and then all of a sudden you see conversion rate drops or increases you got to make sure that the data you're looking at is legitimate data because we've had clients that have come to us on several occasions where they come and say, you know, we, we had this site and the conversion rate was low and then we got this site and it jumped really high and we're trying to understand it. And it wasn't that the site was better or worse. It was that the tracking, the data they were looking at was not apples to apples that because it was duplicating tracking or was omitting some kind of tracking at some point. So you've got to make sure that your tracking is always set up correctly. And then when you find out that there was a problem, go into your analytics software, whether, whether that's Google Analytics or whatever. Most of them have some kind of annotation option in there so you can make a note. And I think if you learn nothing else from this episode, take this. Always document everything you're doing that changes that can have an impact, right? Because when you launch a new site, when you launch a new booking engine, when you make 
a new piece of the site live, if you have that information date stamped in as a notation in your analytics software, when you find that something went cattywampus, it's going to be way easier to diagnose what it was if you have those dates tagged. And you know, we're working with a couple of clients now where we're trying to understand some things that have gone awry. And the fact that they've documented this has made our life so, so much easier. Infinitely easier. Yeah. So you just hover over a date and it says, here's what, here's we what happened. Yeah, you see that the, the conversion rate tanked on July 1st. Oh, that's the date that this happened. Let's track it back and see where it broke. So definitely use the annotations. Be a, be a very rigid documenter of everything you do. I think that that is going to save you so much time and heartache in the long run if you do it. All right. So the last but definitely not least found problem and probably the most complicated one is when cross-domain tracking either doesn't work or was never even implemented in the first place. This we are coming across more and more and more and more, and it is not always an easy problem to fix. It's not, and it's, you know, I think a lot of people glaze over, like half the listeners are probably what like, is I, I don't know what that means, right? So I think we need to step back a little bit and explain what that means. First. Right. So when you enter a website from yourdomain.com, and then you cross over to your booking engine, which the majority of booking engines out there do not sit on yourdomain.com. When the visitor crosses over, analytics can't tell because of the cookies that that is the same person. So there's some code and some things that need to be done to let your analytics software know, oh, this actually is the same person. Right. So I'm going to get a little bit nerdy, a little bit technical, but I'm going to try to say it sim as simply as possible so you get it right. Google Analytics is what's called a first party cookie. So what it does is you drop the code on your site, but it tells your site to be the one to set the cookie on the person's machine. And all a cookie is, is really a little text file that's saved on the individual's machine. So if Pete comes to my site, mydomain.com, then mydomain.com says, here's a little piece of text that I want you to keep on your machine from mydomain.com. And that is a first party cookie, right? If Looking at like Adobe Analytics, that's a third-party cookie. It's done a little differently. So when you come to mydomain.com, Adobe Analytics is the one that says, hey, I want to set a little piece of text on your machine, right? So that's the difference between first and third-party. So Google Analytics being a first-party cookie, when mydomain.com sets that piece of text on that machine with holding information about the, the session, when you go to another domain, a subdomain like booking.mybookingengine.com, that domain needs to read and set first party cookies on itself, right? But that essentially that's a new connection because there's no correlation. One domain can't read the first party cookie of another domain. So that's why when you don't have this cross domain st stuff set up, you see two sessions in that case. Pete came to mydomain.com and then he went to mybookingenginesdomain.com. Those are two first-party cookies that are not connected. So the linker code, the cross-domain tracking that we're talking about, tells the Google code to connect these two separate sessions as a single session. That's why it's really, really important. And it, it's, it sounds super nerdy, but it is so, so important that you get this right and you work with 
your website and your booking provider to make sure the guy who starts on your website and books on your booking engine is the same person and not just a ton of blind referrals from your website. Right. So what, what we see happen a lot when they don't have this set up is someone comes into mydomain.com and then they came from pay-per-click and then they go to the booking engine. Well, they get to the booking engine not from pay-per-click anymore. They got to the booking engine from mydomain.com. So you've yep. lost that origin. You've lost the, the attribution back to the original source of business. Mm -hmm. And Phil's sitting there without trying to optimize your PPC campaign without the data, you know, in a tough spot. Phil, why are you doing that without the data, <laughs> <Yeah>. dude? <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> no, it's it, what, like exactly what you're saying. Like, how am I supposed to know a real buyer's journey if we're not if we're not taking it from start to finish? Someone comes into the site, three, four actions books. Well, I want to know how they came in. I want to know what they booked, how long they're staying, what the revenue was. I mean, without this crust domain tracking, we don't know any of that. Yes. So here's how you can pretty quickly tell if something is cattywampus with your cross domain tracking. All you need to do within Google Analytics is open up your acquisition little menu and go to the channels report. If you see your domain.com as a referral, a, there's a problem. Womp. If you see almost all of your revenue either attributed to yourdomain.com or as quote unquote direct, there's probably an issue. Womp. And that's when we need to start troubleshooting and figuring out how to fix the problem. Okay, so there's two parts to this solution, right? And you touched on the two symptoms, the the um, refer self-referrer and then the where the traffic is coming from the direct booking so if you're seeing that your own domain is a self-referrer what do they need to do to fix that you need to go look in the admin part of google analytics and ensure that your domain is listed in the referral exclusion list now before i go even one step further let me just do a self-plug here and say that i did an entire blog post on this and there are step-by-step -step instructions in this blog post and we will link to that blog post from the show notes today. Yeah, with screenshots with screenshots <laughs> exactly yeah and that was, so you, you can get to that link. It's on our blog, but if you go to fueltravel.com slash podcast, click on episode 67 to see the show notes, we're going to have a link to this self-help tutorial, step-by-step -step tutorial on the, on the show notes. Yes. So that is step one. So that's within Google Analytics itself. That needs to be set up as step one. All right, re repeat it one more time just so in case in people are lazy and don't want to click. In the admin section of Google Analytics, you go to the property and go into the tracking ID thing little menu. And within there is the referral exclusion list. And in there is where you need to specify your domain and you really should specify the booking engine domain as well. So that tells Google Analytics, I should never report these domains as being a referrer of traffic. But what that doesn't do, it doesn't fix the cross-domain tracking part of it. All it does now is it says, oh, well, this isn't a referral anymore. I'm going to report anything that I see from here as quote-unquote direct. Yeah, so that doesn't t take into account what we talked about earlier with the first-party cookies, the fact that mydomain.com cookie cannot be read by bookingengine.com right because they're first party cookies so you have to find a way to link the two of those sessions together hence the next step which is adding this special linker code to part of the core google analytics script that should be every 
place on your website. And again, you can find these instructions in the blog post of what that entails, but it is like three lines of code that need to be added to your core Google Analytics script. Yeah, so when you, when you set up a Google Analytics um, account and you go to the section where it says <clears throat> copy and paste this code onto your website, that's the, the basic, but you have to add some extra linker code specific um, lines in there that it's not easy to find how to do that. No, it's not. Like they don't document it very well. So if you're struggling with that, the best place, the best resource that I've found on the entire internet is Melissa's blog post. <laughs> so again, go to the show notes, um, show 67 at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on the link to Melissa's amazing linker code blog post. Cause it literally spells out the three lines that you need to copy and paste into your Google analytics code. And then once that's done, you need to proof the site like crazy. And when I say proof the site like crazy, I mean you need to literally click every single link on your website, a booking widget, buttons, links, anything that goes into your booking engine to make sure that that linker code is working. And how would one make sure that the linker code is actually in properly? Step one is to simply look at the URL when you click on that link. At the end of all the googly goo on your booking engine, once your linker code is working, you should see a GA dot and a whole slew of numbers. If that is not in your URL, 100% chance that your linker code is not working. Yeah, so that number, isn't GA dot equals or something like that? Because it's, yes. yeah, right. So that number is basically how the two domains connect each other that's a reference to say this is the same session so either when you're going from the website to the booking engine or from the booking engine clicking back to the website because you have to add that link of code on both that url variable g dot equals number 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 is really 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 important if it's not there you did it wrong. That is what Google Analytics calls your client ID. That is how it is identifying that person, basically. Yeah, it's forevermore an individual until their ID are number, right? So you need to again link the. That's why it's called linker code. You're linking the first party cookie from your domain to the first party cookie on the booking engine domain. But unfortunately, that's still not a hundred percent guaranteed to work, even if that is in the URL. What? I know. <laughs> and I will tell you the problem we find more often than not is with widgets. Search widgets, just depending on how they're built and where they come from can just be a nightmare. And you you just might need to give us a call to figure it so out. So that search <laughs> widget is is uh, the little form on the homepage. It's like a square or horizontal kind of format where you put in the dates and then you hit search to search through, through the inventory. A lot of times the booking engine provider gives you a snippet of code to do that. Sometimes your web developer is building the form on your website, but it's really important that that is passing that linker code as well. And then sometimes you just have a booking engine that just doesn't like the linker code and it's just not <laughs> accepting it and the cookies aren't getting passed and then all the troubleshooting begins again. Hey, you know what we should do to eliminate this problem? What's that? We should build a booking engine that doesn't live <laughs> on a subdomain. It should live oh. within the website. So if my domain is mydomain.com, then the booking engine should live at mydomain.com slash reservations. Do you know any booking engines like that? Uh, you know, it would be great because not only would the tracking just magically work without having to worry about this nonsense, 
but also the content of my booking engine would be indexed by the search engines as well, making my site even more valuable and rank higher. Da, 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 da. If only there was a booking engine in the world that did that. Stuart, tell me more. Well, there's this little company called Fuel Travel. Who are they? They are an amazing folks that the the Shawnee Inn and Golf Resort recently chose to and deploy. And Sambirtu. And uh, fuel this podcast. And they have a product called Guest Desk, which is the preeminent, if I may say, booking engine on the internet. You're allowed. Go ahead. And thanks for permission. <laughs> and we are a permission-based company. <laughs> And uh, yeah, if you're interested in guest desk, joking aside, you know, we do have a booking engine and analytics was at the forefront when we rebuilt this engine earlier this year. We, we There were a couple of goals, one of which was mobile, 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 mobile. We wanted it to be an amazing experience for a mobile user because we're seeing more than 50% of folks on a mobile device. But the other thing we really wanted to do is make sure it was the best product in the industry for analytics. So we spent a lot of time with the analytics team and with the development team making sure that you really could track literally anything within the system. We, you can use Google Tag Manager, Adobe Tag Manager, anything else. And we have a data layer, which is Bananalytics on this thing, right? It's pretty awesome. So you literally can track whatever you want without any coder needing to be involved. So you can say, if you want to know what packages are selected, what the length of stays are selected, what room types are selected and clicked on, all of that is available in the data layer and you can track it all through Tag Manager in Google Analytics. So it's it's really cool. So if you're interested in a, a really analytically bananalytics uh, booking engine, then reach out to us at info at Fuel Travel or just go to our site, fueltravel.com and, and there's a software tab at the top where you can find out more about Guest Desk as well. Whew. Yeah. That was a lot. So there, again, there's a lot of people that struggle with analytics. And it needs to be the first thing you think of. Don't don't be worried about this bright and shiny stuff, about you know chatbots and AR and augmented re- or AR and VR and all this other AI, all this other stuff until you've got the fundamentals right. If we, you can't measure what you're doing, then what's the point of doing it? Exactly. You live in an age where we can literally see every penny you spend and every dollar you make and what the return is from every single marketing initiative an advertising channel that you're investing in. And if you're not able to do that, then let's have a conversation and try to figure it out together because we want nothing more than everyone to be spending their money wisely and having a very successful property. Yeah. Melissa, good episode. Thanks. It was not the episode you promised. It was not, but it, it, that will come eventually. All right, we've been saying it's next week for it's like It's not going to be next week. Weeks. So let's stop saying that. And, uh, but it's a, it's good, right? We've been really busy. I mean, the last three or four weeks for me have been some of the busiest we've yes. ever had here at Fuel. We're getting a lot of wonderful new clients and making a lot of new relationships. And we're really blessed and happy for that to be the situation. So we understand that that podcast episode that you've been planning for a while is a little delayed. So I would rather do something of quality than just to throw something together out there just for the sake of doing it. That is a good mantra to live See. by for sure. So that that'll be coming in the future. We try we try to split up the episodes that we do. We try not to have like analytics back to back to back. We try to sprinkle in some email and some social media and some content and other stuff in between. So if if you listening at home have any topics that you want us to cover, if you have any burning questions about hotel marketing that you'd like us to tackle, we would love or pet peeves about microwaves. 
Yeah, if, if you have pet peeves, you want to get on a plinth and complain, you want to be a South Pole elf, <laughs> then then uh, please drop us a line. You can do that at, on Twitter at Fuel Travel. You can do that on email at info at fueltravel.com. You could probably try snail mail if you wanted to. Give you, it a shot. Yeah, if you wanted to try sending us more beer or stuff like Shawnee End did, we would really appreciate it. Uh, addresses. Some of us like wine. Yeah, wine in beer not cats um but our address is 3023 church street Myrtle beach south carolina 29577 so if we've given you lots of enjoyment over the past 67 episodes then share the love send us beer <laughs> and wine because we love it that sounded really needy it really did it, i know <laughs> uh, but we're not above that it's okay hi <laughs> right, pete if they want to find you on Twitter, where would they go? <laughs> They'd find me, like you said, on Twitter at P DeMaio, P-D-I-M-A-I-O. And Melissa? I am on Twitter at M-A Kavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And Philip? You can find me on Twitter at P Fariska, P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A. And we didn't have a dad joke this week, but talking about Shawnee N being in Poconos, it, it reminded me of a joke. So, Pete. Yes. How do you wake up Lady Gaga? I don't know. Poker face. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good one. Poker face, poker nose. You'd make Misha proud. I know. All right. Well, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Hey, Stuart. Yeah. Why can't you hear a pterodactyl go to the bathroom? I don't know. Because the P is silent. (laughs) (laughs) Can I see the ending?